Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by From Within Records. We're about a week away from the worn pre-orders for the Human Work LP and the new song that they're going to be premiering. So I'm super stoked on that. Also on that same Friday, Shackled will be doing a live stream with Hate56. So please show up for that. There's going to be a new song performed by Shackled, new merch, free tapes given away. And if you're a Patreon subscriber to Hate56, you're going to get some extra content as well. So please make sure to come out and support that stream. Also, Payback Discography coming out on CD. I, I'm still anticipating that. It's going to be awesome to be able to have all their music in one place. So shout out to Payback. Also coming out of Chicago, MH Chaos working on their next LP, which I'm looking forward to. So shout out to Chicago Hardcore. And if you haven't yet, please go listen to Striker. They have a demo out right now on their Bandcamp, Spotify, Apple Music. So go check out Striker and get ready for their upcoming EP, which will be out later this year. So please, like I always say, if you're not following From Within Records on Twitter or Instagram, please do yourself a favor and stay up to date with all of their news and support From Within Records because they support us. On today's episode, Nate and Jeff return, my co-hosts, amazing group of guys, and we break down UFC 257, which I'm I'm so excited for. I'm, I'm sitting here recording this intro for all of you, and I, I can't believe that tomorrow it's it's finally going to happen. I'm so stoked. It's always a it's, it's always an event when Conor McGregor fights. And it's just one of those uh, times in the sport where we're getting to witness someone great and uh, an athlete like Conor McGregor doesn't come around that often. As long as I've been in the sport, there's been uh, a few few fighters that have had the kind of impact that he has and has brought the kind of attention to the sport. So it's always a treat to to watch him fight. If you're curious about my pick for the main event, just uh, stick around and wait to wait towards the end, and we break down who we think is going to win and how. But it's 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 awesome. I love MMA. I, I love sitting here and talking to Nate and Jeff, some of my best friends about this amazing sport. So anyone who's listening, I'm guessing that you're just just as excited as we are. So please strap in and enjoy our breakdown of UFC 257 and the past couple of cards. So please, without further ado, welcome Nate Miller and Jeff Yuma to the show. And we're back again. Unfortunately, uh, Nate, Jeff, and I have been recording, but due to my unlucky circumstances, the power went out and we lost all of the audio that we were using. So we lost about an hour of talk time, which is totally fine because we're back. That shit ain't going to stop us. We still have plenty of MMA to talk about. So thank you, 
Nate and Jeff for being patient with the situation. Should have charged by the hour instead of flat rate. This is bullshit. I, no. <laughs> I would think we were just having a little bit too badass of a conversation and it got, got a little crazy and we had to stop for a little bit. Okay. So just, a uh, we'll do a condensed version of the last hour, uh, quick on the Holloway cater card. Uh, obviously Holloway amazing performance literally gave me chills while I was watching him fight. And I, I always feel like I'm a little extra on edge when these fighters that I just absolutely love uh, are, are fighting because I want to see them perform well. So I was hoping to see Max Holloway come out and give an amazing performance. Obviously, uh, Cater, uh, you know, real competition. I just didn't want to see Holloway lose or get caught or anything weird. So I was happy with uh, his performance and how everything played out. Yeah, we both agree. We all kind of agree. Carlos Condon and Matt Brown should probably hang it up. Uh, Santiago got starched, you know, for his debut back. And that's a tough pill to swallow. But shout out to, you know, the leech, our boy, Jamie's boy. You know, we talked about last and hey, he proved us wrong. Great. Good on him, man. I don't know. Santiago's going to, you know, come back from that. And then on top of that, Joaquin Buckley, KO of the year to starch of the first hit of the year. So, I mean, man, it was a crazy card to, you know, start the year with a very unexpected. The prelims a little slow, but, you know, the main card on ABC really delivered. Yeah. Shout- I was wrong about everything. Shout out to, to, to my Asian brothers and sisters out there. We're making a comeback. You can't stop us. Shout out Wei Li Zhang, Li Jingling. <laughs> so about you, Jeff, what stood out for the first card? I would say that the leech is a sick-ass nickname. One, yeah. that that's fantastic. Um, yeah, I think what stood out is I was wrong about everything and the best way possible. And... As far as Holloway versus Cater, there's people who've gone to jail for doing way less than what yeah. Holloway did to Cater. Yeah, it was a, I mean, that was just a beatdown. I mean, he was, you know, turning the punches as he was talking to commentary, talking to DC, saying he's the best, best boxer in the UFC. So, I mean, man, it was a hell of a performance. You can't get any better than that. And kind of interested to see where he goes from there. I mean, calling for the title. We'll um, see, but I mean, or we didn't even talk about that. Ortega versus Alex. Yeah. Okanowski. I think you give Holloway the title shot. I think he did more than enough. Um, I think it makes sense. Hopefully it's against Volkanovsky. They run it back a third time. Holloway gets some redemption. Um, I think we all agree. He got robbed in that last fight and let's fucking go. I want to even, but even if Ortega wins though, even if Ortega wins, that he, you know, Holloway has a win over him. So, I mean, if Ortega's the champ, that's a good, I mean, I think it's a win win situation for Holloway to jump into the title contention. So, I, I guess think, we'll see. I, I mean, I'd love to see Ortega and Holloway run it back again, but I think it ends up very similar to how it did last time. I think Holloway would just beat the shit out of him on the feet. Yeah, I'm not sold on Brian Ortega 2.0. I think Max Holloway beats him. If they rematch, and then also I feel like if Max and Volkanovski meet for a third time, Max will have to 
probably or, or approach it the same way he did that cater fight. He has to go in there and actually make a statement because first fight, he was probably like a little more relaxed. He was the champ and uh, didn't really check any leg kicks, which you know turned out to be a big problem uh, with him falling behind on the scorecard. And second fight, he was way more active and definitely won that fight. So I, I think the third time he's going to you know come in and uh, put on a, a, a different performance, like, you know, be super active and um, actually uh, go after it. So before the Holloway and Cater fight took place, um, I think we touched upon it in one of uh, our previous discussions with Ortega 2.0. I was super impressed by a striking, right? Okay. And before we saw... Holloway absolutely beat the dog shit out of Cater. I was under the impression that on the feet, maybe it's a little closer and wouldn't be quite as bad as it was last time, but nah, there's no way. I think if that fight stays on the feet, Holloway does the same thing that he did last time and that Ortega would have to take him down and try and use his jujitsu for something different to happen. Yeah. I mean, but that might be their game plan too. I mean, you know, you got to learn and adapt and you got to see where your weaknesses are and what your strengths are. So hopefully he goes in on, you know, trying to actually submit them rather than trying to strike with them. But who knows? We'll have to see if Alex wins or, you know, Ortega can actually pull the upset because honestly, Volkanovski is probably going to be the favorite. Yeah, I, I'm not convinced that Ortega makes it past Volkanovski. I think, I think Volkanovski beats him. Same here. I, I got my money on. Uh, Alexander Volkanovsky against Ortega, but I, I see Max beating both of them, whoever he ends up fighting next. Yeah, it's the Blessed Spurs. Gotta save your chickens, not even sparring. That's kind of crazy, too. I mean, it just shows you a lot of how much confidence and just belief in yourself can really... He's always been a world-class striker, so what else do you need to improve? Yeah, but also, it's, um, there's no point in taking unnecessary damage because there's a lot of fighters who have started to realize that you don't have to go 100% when you're sparring leading up to a fight because you go in there injured, it's way better for you to take less damage in the training camp and be able to go in there in better shape and have a better performance. Yeah. And so, um, oh, what were you going to say, Jeff? I was going to say a guy like Holloway, who's he even sparring against in Hawaii that would give him enough of a challenge to where he would be improving and striking. Uh, BJ Penn, of course. Oh my God. No. <laughs> uh, he's just right outside a crab shack or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I got, I feel bad. I, 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 we've, that's been like a reoccurring thing on this podcast. We brought up, we, you know, every once in a while, BJ Penn, but God, that fool has fallen so hard. I, I feel bad. He needs help. I can't believe. And it's been years. I can't believe they put him, they fed him to Yair Rodriguez like that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what they were thinking. I mean, that's, I mean, hell, they're saying he's very persistent, but I mean, you got to look at the performance and really judge with someone's even capable of standing with these people at this point. You know, and he's definitely way past that. Yeah. That's one of the champions who it was just so sad to see him fall that far because dude look at it if, if you look at his record what he's on a seven fight losing streak i was like <laughs> yeah. come on bro like you should have just hung it up and granted when he was running the lightweight division in the ufc it, it was awesome like that performance against diego sanchez i'll i'll never forget that when he landed that head kick and split diego open and he just looked like a beast but 
I just, you know, after those Frankie Edgar losses, it, it was it was weird because, yeah, he, he lost to Frankie, um, but it's not like he got destroyed. The The first fight was pretty competitive out there in Abu Dhabi for the first time, and then second fight uh, was, like, a little less competitive, but I just, I don't know what happened to him. He, he lost those two fights, and he had only one win after losing that belt, and that was against Matt Hughes, but should have just stopped. The The writing on the wall for me was when he when he fought Nick Diaz. I think he fought Nick Diaz like almost a year or maybe directly after the the Frankie Edgar losses. And Nick Diaz just pieced him up brutally on the feet. And it felt like that wasn't even remotely competitive, you know? Yeah. Where a fight like that at that point should have been a lot closer. Yeah. It was it was just rough to to watch somebody um, you know, who was so dominant, but then he just stuck around for way too long because look at everybody that he fought. So he, he beat Matt Hughes. Uh, then he uh, went to a draw with John Fitch. Decision loss against Nick Diaz. Decision loss against Rory McDonald, who sh- he should have never been in there with in the first place. Rory yeah. was just way, way bigger than him. And then, and then I don't even know how, but he got a third fight against Frankie, which should have never happened. And then he got TKO'd in that one. Yeah. And you mentioned the year, um, yeah, year fight, which that guy was, dude. He landed like a, a, a he landed like a three sixty um, roundhouse kick on BJ Penn. Okay. I was, I was like, ridiculous. dude, that's that's embarrassing. That 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 shouldn't happen. And then fought Dennis Seaver, which holy shit, you're losing to Dennis Seaver. <laughs> oh my god, that's and, the goat, dude. You, you always see that. They always tell like Connor he needs to get a rematch against Seaver to prove himself. <laughs> I don't know like what it's was like the dumb MMA like um, theory they push. Like they're like you got to fight the re-. You, you'll always see it in his comments. You ever go to Connor's comments? You'll always see things about like Seaver for whatever reason. Like there's some weird obsession with that. I don't know Dude, why. The odds on that fight were so far against Seaver that I actually bet against McGregor for like twenty bucks because Seaver, <laughs> God, was like plus twelve hundred or something just insane. Mm-hmm. Like just ridiculous, and yeah, obviously I lost my fucking twenty dollars, but uh, hey, it was like worth it. You know, you never know. I could have did that spinning body kick and could have crumbled. <laughs> yeah, all, right. But all I'll say is with with BJ Penn, I think. Oh my god! If they were to run it back now, I think Matt Hughes would kind of whoop his ass. Is man, he's even like, after getting hit on the, with the train. Jesus Christ! That's what's wondering. Is he even healthy? No, <laughs> no. I think they're both freaking not at all. They both should never fight again, unfortunately. But hey, that's the sport. Sometimes I mean, it's just basketball, bait. You know, all those, all the sports. It comes to the point where even if you're the best, you got to step away. Yeah, but it's different for fighting because you know basketball. Yeah. They're not taking the damage like these fighters. They have their are. knees, boy. I was gonna pick up his granddaughter. Okay, Come on, man. You can go yeah, get your. No. You can go get your knee reconstructed. You can't get your brain fixed. That's the difference. Spencer Fisher, man. Did you guys see that? No. Mm-mm. Oh, they gave. There's a little mini documentary about Spencer Fisher and about what he's dealing with with CTE right now. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember when he would when he fought like kind of in like the mid two thousands? Yeah, I, I remember him as a fighter, yeah. but I know he had a, a documentary out. Yeah, dude, it's like a you can find it on Twitter. It's like a, maybe a 
seven or eight minute clip of like what he's doing now. Yeah. How recently in the past couple of years, CTE's kind of caught up with him and UFC like really isn't doing much about it. It's kind of, it's kind of sad. If you want to, if you want to have your day ruined a little bit, I would recommend you watch it. Yeah. I kind of feel like that's just, you know, encompasses all MMA, all boxing, you know, there's not really a lot of protections. I mean, boxing, that's why, you know, kind of got convoluted with the rules because they're trying to kind of battle that. But I mean, it's still, you know, you're taking damage to the head. I mean, that's what it comes back to when we were talking about Cater, uh, how tough he was. You know, he, he shouldn't have taken 500 hits in the head, you know, like he, he shouldn't have. It, it should never have gotten that point. And, you know, his, his corner defended it. But, I mean, it comes to the point where, you know, everyone knew he was going to lose that fight. So there's no point in taking that much unnecessary damage. It's like how they say, fight another day. He's yeah. young. You know, he's very smart, very quick. And you want to stay like that. So there's so, no point. Yeah, he well, he was definitely fighting back obviously he was getting butchered in there maybe there's an agreement like behind the scenes that he had with his corner that we don't know about i mean look at uh what's that boxer deontay wilder fired yeah. his coach because they threw the towel in against against tyson fury maybe they had some kind of crazy agreement like that and the corner didn't want to act on it i don't know or maybe they just had enough faith in him and realized it was such a big opportunity like there's a chance he could land on him, but it was kind of, it got a little tough to watch after a while. Yeah. Yeah. Deontay Wilder. What a disappointment. I was a fan. I'm still kind of a fan of him. I'll, I'll still watch him fight. But after that Tyson Fury loss and just him coming out with those excuses and then firing his coach, who was just looking out for his best interests, it's, it's just not a good look. And it just bums me out to, to, to see him make these moves where I'm just like, dude, you're, you're kind of falling off and it sucks. Cause I, I would like to see them run it back for the third time to see uh, who's actually going to be the, the champ. Uh, but obviously with COVID and everything kind of put that schedule off. I, I just want to see them get the third fight out and I want it to be uh, no excuses on Deontay Wilder's side, you know? Well, I, I mean, yeah, he can make all the excuses in the world. I think it was very clearly an awesome strategic decision by Tyson Fury, the way he approached that fight. And I think it would end up the exact same way. Yeah. I, I mean, Fury was smart because he got carried out instead of wearing 50 pound armor. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what his excuse is. Not even armor. The way he just smothered him the entire time. Didn't get, didn't even give him a chance to yeah. fire off that right hand or whatever. He just beat the shit out of him post to post and, most people wouldn't try and uh, approach, uh, at least from what I've seen, a lot of people haven't tried to approach Wilder that way. They kind of try and outbox him, and you can outbox him and win every single round. And then round seven or eight, he catches you with some haymaker, and then you're out. You know? Yeah. I think uh, I think Fury, if they fought again, it would end up the exact same way. You know, it was another person that started doing a lot of excuses and kind of lost like their momentum. Was like um, Sugar Show, the Sugar Show, you know. Sean, oh. that he because he's just been like like giving so much you know flack and excuses about his loss and you know saying that he didn't actually lose you know the cheeto and all that and you could see his, his star fell pretty hard of you know because of those claims and just now you know something you got to be humble i mean it's unfortunate you know yeah i mean mate i mean i didn't realize he was being like 
that salty about it. So I was under the impression that during that fight that he injured himself because of the kicks from Cheeto. Like I thought that he received that damage because of an exchange of being kicked and that's what caused his foot to be compromised. And then the fight got finished. Is he trying to say that it was like a freak accident or that he was like hurt before or something? Uh, It was just pretty much saying like, I don't know the specifics, but he, he definitely like bitches about it a lot. If you see about like, he always says like, he doesn't recognize that as a loss. He didn't actually lose, Uh, you know? Yeah. But it's, it is what it is. I I don't really want to talk about him, but it's just one of those examples where, you know, a lot of times you just gotta, you know, things happen. He, yeah. But if he did, he did get injured. You could clearly see that something was wrong with his leg. Yeah. You know, but you should have just, instead of trying to fight through, maybe you should have just waved it off and been like, Hey, like I'm compromised, you know, rather than trying to do something, you know? Well, I remember he had a fight where he like broke his leg in the fight or something. And the guy took him down and he ended up winning a decision, even though he like, I don't know if he broke his ankle or broke his foot, but he like didn't have two legs and yeah. got out at the end and he won a decision. So maybe he thought that Cheeto would have made some kind of mistake like that or something, but with it being, was it round one? What yeah, it was really early on. Yeah. I, I think O'Malley will be back. I think he, yeah, very good fighter. I like he just to needs to get back in there, you know, Yeah, and just put it behind them, put the loss behind you. People lose. It's not like, you know, just go, go keep going. Yeah. He's like an okay fighter. Uh, obviously there, there was a lot of hype around him, but I don't really see him doing too much damage to the, you know, you look at the top five, there's a lot of tough matchups. I don't really see him winning too much. Yeah. See Cheeto probably going to get Aldo. Or was that announced? Didn't they already fight? Or am I tripping? You don't know? No, I thought, I think that happened already. Yeah. Didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm pretty, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Cheeto lost. Oh, did he? Yeah. Hmm. What world are you living in? Yeah, Josie Aldo beat him. It was, they fought back when uh, Wonder Boy fought uh, Jeff Neal. Oh, huh. missed that one. Yeah. I, I didn't pay attention. <laughs> I, I, I know Cheeto um, is going or is on Fight Island now. He's there as um, some sort of uh, backup just in case somebody falls out. Yeah. Hey, see what happens. But um, speaking of Fight Island, Kiesa versus Magni, we didn't even actually talk about the main card or the main fight. We got to Wally, which, man, what an impressive finish he had with the three body kicks. Like, God, those were brutal. Mm-hmm. I You felt for that guy. But uh, what do you guys think about the main event? Yeah. I, I'd like to touch on, on the kicks really quick. Okay. Uh, okay. It looked like Street Fighter 2 Turbo when you could just like it would look like Saget kicking the car and destroying yeah. the car. You know how you have the bonus level? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that. And he just took his ass out with it. I thought it was awesome. You don't see it too much. Yeah, it was really brutal. Oh my god. You can just tell the pain that guy had. Like it was dug in. Hitting the liver or something and it like took a second for him to for it to register, you know. But um, Michael Chiesa with the dominant win against Magda. I mean, that was a very, um, I mean, it was either, it was pretty much going to determine who's going to keep going up the rankings, you know. Unfortunate for Magni, he's a great fighter, great, you know, individual trying to take those leaps. But Chiesa 
as uh, Jamie likes to point out, dark horse of the division moving on up. So, I mean, it was as solid as you can get of a performance. Yeah. Um, extremely dominant. And I love that he called out Kobe Covington. Um, I'm not convinced that he beats Covington. I think Covington is as good as Kiesa in terms of grappling, maybe not with like submissions because Kiesa's really slick like that, but I don't, I'm not convinced that Kiesa could, could find a way to take Covington down or match his cardio, but I would love to see that fight happen and be proven wrong. I think it's really cool that he called him out like that because there's not a lot of people I mean, besides maybe Masvidal that are trying to call out Covington like that. Well, that was the second time uh, Kiesa has called out Covington. Oh. And Colby just hasn't answered that call because he knows. He hasn't really talked in general, though, because of the whole Trump thing. He knows what's up. His stick, you know, as they pointed out, his stick's gone. He's not, there's no make America great again. It's the fucking Biden, riding with Biden now. Yeah, Kiesa was dead on with that. I have no idea what his shtick is going to be. And how he's gonna how he's gonna try and capitalize on it? He's uh, he was told to uh, you know to stand by. So, oh God. so I mean, if anything, he might just go back to calling people nerds and paying fucking hot girls to hang out with them and just go with that, you know, uh, route. Is he was very quiet when all that crap at the Capitol was going down. Yeah, because, dude, you don't want to be associated with people like that. I mean, he's a smart guy, and most people say he's actually really nice in person. And so even then, you don't want to see something like that happen. (laughs) You know, that's not the intention. That wasn't what he, you know, as they say, it's just an act to an extent. I'm sure he does actually support Trump and all that, but not to that extent. (laughs) So let's let's factor out Colby Covington. And maybe you could factor out Masvidal because Masvidal actually submitted Kiesa like a few years ago. How do you think Kiesa matches up against the against people that are ranked higher than him? Like I, I think he would beat Wonderboy. I think he would get the get the takedown and kind of smothering him. But against like Kamaru Usman or Gilbert Burns, like how how do you think he would hold up? I think he'd be surprised. Yeah, he thinks he thinks KS can beat Usman. I don't think so. I think uh, Usman has better wrestling for sure. I mean, shit, he showed his toughness in that Covington fight. He still had pretty good strength even at the end of that, you know, fifth round when he finished off Covington. And Covington's known for his cardio. I mean, it's tough. I mean, it'd be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how this division shakes out. Luckily, we actually have Usman versus Burns finally happening. You know, that's been postponed. But even then, now you got Leon Edwards versus Kamzad on that same card, too. And who knows if whoever wins that, I'm pretty sure Edwards is going to be the one to get the, you know, if he wins, he gets the title shot or vice versa. If Kamzad wins, he's going to get the title shot. I think I think that's just how, you know, what they're setting up. So everyone else is kind of up in the air, whoever they want to fight. I don't see a whole lot of competition for Michael Chiesa when you look at the rest of the division, because I, I think he smokes Damian Maya, Tyron yeah. Woodley. I, I hate to you know talk about how he's just pretty much done. He needs to hang it up. Because I was so so stoked on him as a fighter, but I don't know what happened to him. Steven Wonderboy Thompson. Uh, 
I don't really see him beating Kiesa. And the only challenge I really see is the the champ Usman and Covington. Those are the the toughest matchups for Kiesa. But I think everybody else in the top ten, he he smokes. Yeah, I mean it's an interesting prospect to to see who you know who he decides to fight or who actually decides to take the fight from him too. You know. So if him and Masvidal ran it back, you think it'd end up different? Oh yeah, because you got to think about um, Kiesa, uh, him. You know, killing himself just to get down to lightweight because he's a he's a huge huge dude and obviously yeah Masvidal used to cut as well but uh Kies is bigger than Masvidal and has a longer reach and if they were to match up now and Kiesa with his like you know way bigger and not going to be drained I, I feel like he can um outwork Masvidal because if you look at what Kiesa did to Magni just out wrestled him took him to the ground obviously there were some some crazy scrambles and uh, you know, Magni got that, almost got that reverse triangle or inverted triangle on him. Um, I, I feel like if he implemented that same game plan on Masvidal, uh, he could just outwork him just like Usman did. Or if, if they were just standing, I, I think it would be pretty competitive. I don't really think Masvidal could take Kiesa in welterweight. I don't know. I'm not convinced. I'd like yeah. to see. I'd like to see that fight. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, I think Masvidal. I think his grappling is actually a little bit underrated and just Usman's that good and was just able to hold him up against the cage like that. Yeah. He did take it on short notice. I mean, to get a full camp, who knows? I mean, when you're specifically training for someone to take you down all the time, because I mean, he had a pretty good game plan against Askren. I mean, even though it ended (laughs) super quick, but I wonder if Kiesa would be able to revenge Askren with the wrestling. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if we'd want to. I, I, I just want to see Kesa get back in there because obviously, uh, he had this big game plan for for twenty twenty, and it didn't really pan out for him. So I'm I'm hoping for uh, twenty twenty one this year he can be more active and actually get these matchups because obviously there's like a weird log jam when you think about uh, this Leon Edwards comes out fight. This is you know rebooked it so many times, and I hope that it's able to happen. Then also with uh, Burns and Usman fighting, hopefully they fight and whoever wins isn't out for too long. And we're just waiting on Covington Masvidal to see if they're actually going to take the fight against each other. So the only people left for Kiesa, you know, is, uh, Maya, Woodley, or Thompson. So I, I just hope he's able to get somebody and not have to sit on the shelf for a whole year. Maya would be fun, but I think he would. He's too old. Just dominate him on the ground. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I'm surprised Maya's still going. I mean, he's had some pretty good, you know, performances, you know, in recent history. But he's kind of dropping off now. You can see the decline, and I mean, it's just because he's kind of a one-trick pony. Unfortunately, really good trick, you know, like he's really good at what he does. But you know, you gotta like as a, as MMA continues to grow, you gotta have that full arsenal. You can't just or you gotta you know, have a good wrestling base because wrestling at least outweighs a lot of things. Yeah. Unless you're like Khabib, who's like an absolute master at what he does because nobody's stopping that takedown. And that's basically all he does is he just, you know, wrestles people and beats them up on the ground. Uh, unless you're at that level with your craft, you, you got to have that whole package. Yeah. yeah. I could, I could see them just looking at the rankings. I could see them, uh, matching up Kiesa and Wonderboy, like the timing seems to make a lot of sense for that too. 
Yeah, they're both off wins. They're both going to be available. I mean, that's if they want to go as quickly as possible. I mean, Wonder Boy's still trying to build up to that title shot, and Kiesa having that great win, you know? Another... Yeah, I think Kiesa is an awful matchup for Wonder Boy. I think but I, I could prove a lot of things, too, because, I mean, let's say Usman wins against Burns, it's going to be kind of a similar matchup in that regard. So... Yeah. If he wins against Kiesa, I mean, it kind of gives him an argument. It's not happening. Kiesa's too good. Yeah. Well, I guess we have to see if they actually book, book it or not. <laughs> so, Jeff, uh, off air, I was arguing with Nate that I think Kiesa beats Covington, and I challenged him to a bet for, for money, actual uh, you know cash, and he was huh? too scared to take the bet. Uh, I'll take it. What do you? How much are you talking? I will put a hundred dollars on Michael Chiesa beating Colby Covington. Deal. Okay. Whenever that matchup happens, I'll I'll uh, bring this back up. But I will put a hundred real dollars, um, or we can switch it to Bitcoin, whatever you want, on sure. Michael Chiesa. Okay. Um, I'm taking it right now, based off of the op- based off all the information that we have. Mm-hmm. I think. Covington is just a horrific matchup for him. And I think Covington wins that fight. Um, who knows if there's other fights leading up to it. And one of those guys takes like severe damage or something crazy happens where it kind of can alter it. But a- as of right now, I take it. Does that make sense? No, I, I, I totally get it. Okay. But I, I have the full confidence in Michael, the Maverick Kiesa. And, Can't wait to add him on Twitter and be like, "You made my friend lose hundred bucks." Dude, and it's and you know what? Kind of sucks because I like Kiesa so much more than Covington. Like Kiesa just seems like an awesome dude, and Covington, his shtick just kind of sucks ass. But my mind is telling me that Covington wins that fight eight out of ten times. All right. I, and that's a matchup that that, that I really want to see because uh, yeah, I'd love to see it too. Two highly skilled fighters, and obviously, I've uh, given Colby Covington his praise before on this podcast. I highly respect him as a fighter. Obviously, I'm outside of that, not a fan, but I, I, I just, I, I just am really high on Michael Chiesa. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I'm also a degenerate gambler, by the way. So. You can't. You came to the right dude for betting in MMA. <laughs> Wait. So, how did you make it out of Vegas alive? I'm so curious. Oh, played played poker and blackjack mostly. Dude, there was actually a uh, point in time when I was there for the first couple of months where I didn't even have a job. I just played poker and kind oh, of shit. just used money from that. Really? That's how you're making your living? You were a, a pro poker player? I was not, I was not a pro, but me me and my living on the streets is free, man. (laughs) Me and my lady, we had, she had a job and like we were both making money, but I didn't have a job and I was making extra money playing poker, but it wasn't like enough that it would equate to having a full-time job of my own. If that makes sense. You know what I mean? It wasn't like I was making 1200 bucks a week consistently on it but i wasn't losing and i had extra money that's a lot of pressure Uh, i mean well it's 
there's definitely times like you don't go in there and win like every single session, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But consistently over the course of a decent amount of time, you want to have your good sessions kind of outweigh the shitty sessions and you know to walk away like if you're running bad, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I came out ahead pretty far ahead overall. Dude, we have a lot of mutual friends in Las Vegas and I remember seeing uh, one of our friends, uh, I'll tell you his name off, off air. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember seeing him on Twitter posting about how he was going to go gamble his whole paycheck because he was just feeling lucky that night and he he doubled. <laughs> his, he gambled his whole paycheck and, and walked away with like double the money that he went in there with and I was thinking that's that's oh, insane. That, that's yeah. that's stressful to, to be able to have that much confidence in yourself and obviously willing to take that risk. Like, holy shit. Well, that's honestly, having more money when you honestly you never like the less money you put into gambling the less you know you get back but you actually go with more in hand you know kind of do the higher bets that's where you make a lot of the money well when back when i was like 18 19 years old what you're describing right now jamie that's very much like the kind of gambling i would do mm-hmm. like because i was in the military at the time and like i had you know a secure paycheck and stuff like that so yeah i'd gamble a paycheck away. You know what I mean? But when I was living in Vegas, I had already had my, my first kid and she was like three years old. So I couldn't risk like a crap load of money like that. So I started kind of like small where had I lost it initially, we would have been fine, but I just kind of built off that, you know, did you ever do any sports bets while you lived in Vegas? Dude, the only one I did was when I bet on Seaver versus McGregor. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, you said this buddy. Um, uh, I, I think he still lives in Vegas. I don't know. I haven't talked to him in a minute. Um, and he he loved uh, sports betting, so he, he was like really into uh, betting, like you know, basketball and football. But when he would go bet MMA, I would be like, "Yo, like here, I, I'm going to send you some money. Go do a, a, a parlay." And we lost every parlay because there's always like that one parlay buster or whatever. But there was one that we did. It was it was International Fight Week, and we did two fights per card. It was it was um it was that weekend where they did three cards, like one on like a, I think it was like uh Friday, Saturday, Sunday, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah. And I remember I was going down the escalator at the Mickey and Friends uh, parking structure at Disney, and I was looking at the results, and I, I, I'm trying to remember what fight it was. I think it was Brock Lesnar, uh, one of his fights. He he won, and he was the last fight on our parlay. We hit like twelve hundred bucks. Oh man. So I don't have any experience in, in, I know other people who, who bet on parlays like Mm -hmm. that, but it's something I want to learn about. And I'm going to, I'm going to pick your brain a little bit because sports gambling seems super fun, Mm -hmm. but it seems like it'd be easy to really go overboard with it. And in terms of like blackjack and poker and stuff like that, I like the, I like having the ability to continually make decisions that can affect the outcome, if that makes sense. Where with sports betting, you're just kind of yeah. going previous information and letting it ride. So that could be super stressful. Yeah. It, you're just locked in. And it definitely brings like a whole new element to like watching the fights because you're like, all right, yeah. this motherfucker better better win. Yeah, yeah, you see him get rocked, you're like, ah no. no. So have you guys did you guys watch Uncut Gems? Yeah. Like God, that fucking movie. So at at first, when I when I watched it and the ending happened, I was like pissed because 
the degenerate gambler in me was totally pulling for, for Howie. Right. Uh And after thinking about it and like kind of reflecting on it, I realized that is actually kind of a happy ending. Like there's no other reasonable way that that movie could have ended in any kind of like realistic fashion because a guy like that, that wouldn't have been enough. He would have continued trying to chase that rush that he was getting and someone else would have done the same thing, you know? I, I or, never am I, get it. or am I looking way too far into it? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I, no. It's always how you want to interpret things, man. Yeah. I mean, if that's how you feel. That's how I, you know, made you feel inside. I, I could, I could see it, you know, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You never know, <laughs> especially with betting, you get in with the wrong people. There's always going to be some fucking shady yeah. shit. Yeah. I've never, I've, I don't, I've never dipped into that realm before, you know, I've always, yeah started with my own money. Like I've never taken a loan out for it. Yeah. That's when you got a problem. You never want to take fucking loans out. Yeah. I was sure about when I'm walking through the casinos and there's like the signs like, Oh, come get your uh, uh, paycheck advance here. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like that, those people just need to go home. Like, don't do that. Egg, that- One thing about, about Vegas when I lived there, um, I would actually do the vast majority of my playing at like station casinos and not necessarily ones that are like on the strip. Mm-hmm. And you start to notice a lot of like regulars that are there. And there's quite a few people that I would see them lose every time, every yeah. goddamn time. And they were just perpetually depressed and unhappy, almost to the point of it being comical. And there's definitely kind of like a darker side to people that hang out in those places all the time, you know, not everybody. And did you go and gamble at these uh, palace station casinos? Cause you're a fan of the Fertitas? No, it's because I lived very close to a couple of them. Like I lived, I lived right by sunset station, but they didn't have a poker room when I lived there. So I would go like 10 minutes down the road to green Valley ranch because I lived in Henderson. What a nice area. I, yeah. I, I appreciate Henderson cause it's um, obviously, you know, it, it's far away enough from the strip to not you know, be like in it. Cause I hate uh, the strips just too crazy for me. And I, I found that the games, like at least in terms of poker at those casinos were nowhere near as crazy as like a place on the strip. Like, cause I've, I've, I've played in both of them. Right. And some of the games on, that on the strip are just wild. Like I've seen people lose thousands of dollars in one hand of poker before. Yeah. I love uh, going to the red rock casinos. I've never been. Okay. Red rock and Summerlin. If, if I were to move anywhere out there, I think I, I just want to go live in Summerlin. Okay. Really? Yeah. Summerlin is, is pretty nice. And it seems like kind of like ritzy Vegas. The only the only thing or point of reference that I have for Red Rock is that I know a dude who had a threesome at Red Rock. Oh my god, that's awesome! <laughs> that's his like claim yeah. to fame. He's like, hey, one time I bagged a threesome at Red oh. Rock. Oh, totally weird. And like the weirdest thing is that he he's like like from from Vegas and lived there, but ended up having to go there for some reason, or it just kind of ended up there. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but. Mm-hmm. 
So for better or for worse, that's what I associate Red Rock with. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. you get any threesomes, Jamie? No, I'm a gentleman, so I I will not uh, participate in those c- kinds of uh, devilish acts. Oh, okay, just orgies. That makes sense. I know. I almost got sucked into an orgy, but like I said, I'm a gentleman. Oh my I, god! I did not participate. <laughs> He's like, ah, I'm just gonna go to the table over here and get some chips. So you get, you guys have some fun yeah. over there. Or just stay. Wait, what's up? <laughs> I was asking if you stayed or if you left, though. Do you want me to tell the story? It's pretty. No, no, we can we can save okay. it till after. All right, we'll save it after. But uh, I, well, yeah, we'll just talk about it after. But yeah, did not participate. I, like I said, I'm, I'm I'm a gentleman. I respect all women. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So finally, we're at, dang this like- Saturday. <laughs> the first pay per view UFC. Don't fucking legal, legally stream it. Dana White's coming for your ass. Yeah, well, there, there's talks of IP bans and Dana White trying to catch some cases. He's trying to take you guys to court. So please uh, support the UFC. Uh, go buy the card. Don't don't stream it. Don't be cheap. Uh, don't buy Starbucks this week. Just save it and put it towards your UFC pay per view. Yeah. So what's the first you get? I mean. I'm I'm glad to see Nick Lentz still kind of chugging along. He's the first fight of the card, early prelim. You know, not the best place to be, but hey. But I know who we want. You really want to talk about your boy? Oh man, I'm I, I'm nervous about that. Uh, but hold on, uh, but I I don't want to skip over Nick Lentz. Uh, once again, Nick Lentz, it's not looking too good for for him. He's on a two fight losing streak, which you know he, he's lost to some you know high level guys, uh, Charles yeah. Oliveira. Arnold Allen, but the guy that he's coming up against is, uh, you know, undefeated. Uh, Movsar Evloev. Am I pronouncing that right? Can somebody? Did I don't know. He's Russian. We're not Russian. It's you know, unfortunately, don't know too much about how. Like, there's some things you'd look and be like, this is probably how it should be said. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's probably Evloev. Or yeah, yeah. We'll he he, he spent- Movsar. Mobsar, we'll say his first name is. Yeah, so he, he spent most of his career um, over in M1, and right now uh, he's had three fights in the UFC. He's 3 0 in the UFC, so I'm uh, kind of feeling for Lance. He, he has a, a you know, tough competition against him, and it, yeah. it's not looking like it's going to be an easy go for him. So hopefully he's able to, to come out on top, um, or he's going to be on a three fight losing streak. Yeah, and, and right now there's a lot of talks about you know letting more people go. And, you know, really cutting back on the roster. So, I mean, this is one of those things where he's kind of being like his job might be on the line. So hopefully he can turn, do something, win. But it, it kind of seems like he's the lamb to the slaughter at this point. You know, like they're really trying to push this guy. Which, but, we, but we did see that last week with yeah. uh, Buckley and DiCurio. And we saw how that one turned out. So we're not counting out Nick Lentz. Uh, we're just saying he has a, a tough matchup ahead of him. Yeah. So hopefully, I mean, he's a veteran. I mean, his record's still good. 30-11. That's nothing. You know, a lot of people don't even have any like <laughs> close to that. So, hey, hopefully, you know, that veteran in him can push through, maybe bring his experience to really dominate uh, Movsar. So hopefully. <laughs> yeah, it's a rough go. But your boy Roundtree, man, uh, this is a tough, tough position for him as well. 
Yeah, he's fighting uh, Marcine Pracino. Mm-hmm. And both coming off losses, uh, I, I I love Khalil. He, he's always been good to me. I, I, I always just get nervous watching him fight because it's like, you know, yeah. somebody who I actually know. So it's, it's always a little tough. I'm always watching somebody that you actually know fight, um, even with uh, uh, all the ups and the downs. I've uh, been there and, and it's just um, just a little extra pressure. And, and it just uh, sucks to see him lose because I you know care about him. He's a good guy. So I'm hoping for the best. I uh, hope he you know, has had a good camp and hope he travels over there and has a great performance. Is he still training in Thailand? Yeah, yeah. He's like oh. um, shacked up there. Um, he's like full-time out there in Thailand. Yeah, so I mean, hopefully, you know, he just is aggressive, maybe able to push the guy back, dictate the pace. He definitely has the ability to do so. He definitely has the power to knock this guy out. So it's just more not letting this moment, you know, this pressure get to him and really stick it on the guy, you know, don't let, you know, don't get up against the cage, keep in the center and really utilize his striking. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts? So, I happen to be, as we've discussed before, very partial to Khalil Roundtree for similar reasons, I guess, Jamie, I don't really know the guy, but um, I've been, I've been following his career. I think he's awesome. Um, I like his chance in this fight. Yeah, the other guy, he's coming off of three first-round knockouts in a row, and he's taken more damage than Khalil. And I think Khalil is going to go in there and spectacularly finish him. I think that's what they ho- are hoping. Yeah, I mean that's the thing when you look at match like matchmaking. You know, they know Khalil. Khalil, you know, definitely has that potential. They have seen it. You know, they've definitely put him against high tier fighters because they believe in them. And so I think this is kind of like that, you know, little fix me up, little pick me up kind of fight, like hope, hoping that he can, you know, really take it to this guy. He He's also one of very few fighters that I've watched where he's never been in a fight where I haven't wanted him to win. Like I'm very partial to that guy. And I think, I think it's going to look really, really, really good on Saturday for him. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and right above that's a really interesting matchup too. Juliana Pena versus, uh, Sarah McMahon, you know, McMahon's been doing pretty good, you know, like she changed, you know, training caps a few fights back and you can really tell that her styles improved. Um, Pena's off the loss or is she, um, yeah, she's on a, uh, last loss that she got subbed by uh, Duran to me. Yeah, man, that was a tough fight. <laughs> but um, they're both kind of, you know, in the same status right now. You know, both, you know, have something to prove. And this is going to be who's going to go up the rankings or who's going to keep falling down at this point. Yeah, Penny was uh, obviously looked at as to be a future champ, but then she ran into. Valentina Shevchenko and that kind of just opened everybody's eyes on Shevchenko and um, kind of put that stamp on her and let people know that she's the real deal. Yeah. So, I mean, how do you guys see this one going? I, I kind of feel like uh, McMahon's going to wrestle Pena and kind of control her. I think she might win by decision. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. 
I'm not sure if I'm being honest because uh, I, I mean, I, yeah, Pena is really good. That's the thing. It's not like, you know, I think both of them are pretty evenly matched, uh, to be honest. Like, I just have uh, seen like the improvements in McMahon's game, you know, especially mm-hmm. kind of leaning on that grappling. And, uh, you know, Pena kind of got submitted on her last one. So I don't know how comfortable she's going to be in those type of exchanges. So. But I could I could see either way, but I'm leaning McMahon though. I'm gonna just go with Pena because I think she uh, has a lot more to lose than McMahon. If that makes sense. Yeah, I can see that. What about you, Jeff? Ah, uh, impartial. I mean, yeah, kind of. <laughs> it's fine. You have to be into every fight, but. I don't know. I think I think it's pretty I think it's pretty close and I don't have any kind of emotional investment into one of them winning. Yeah. I mean Pena when she was rising up, you know, kinda getting that steam behind her, you know, it's kinda hard to counter out, but at this point, yeah, both of them had their ups and downs, so you're kinda more who's really gonna show up that day. But um Kind of the same with the fight above it. Uh, Tavares, Brad Tavares versus Antonio Carlos Jr. Both, you know, had some good success, but have uh, also had their, you know, drops and their downs. So I think that's a pretty even, that's a pretty good matchup as well. Yeah, I'm leaning towards uh, Tavares in that fight. And the reason I say that is the people that Tavares has lost to recently are it's just much higher competition. Like I want to say he lost, I know he lost to Israel Adesanya and yeah. that I think, let me, let me look up Shabazian, the, that, that up and comer. Edmund, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the guy that Brunson beat. Who's, who's very good. But I think Tavares is underrated and I could see him winning by unanimous decision. I think Carlos Jr., his key to winning, it would probably be submissions, you know, rely on that Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I could kind of see this going to a decision, maybe either way, but it kind of determines on who's going to dictate the match. And if it's going to be Carlos Jr. grappling, he, you know, he'll win by, you know, grappling, you know, decision on top, you know. So I'm going to lean Carlos Jr., same here. I, uh, I'm really high on Carl Jr. I want to see him have way more success at, at middleweight. Yeah, he's stumbled against uh, Uriah Hall and then Ian Heinz, uh, which is fair. But I, I, I could see him beating Tavares uh, in the stand-up and on the ground. So I honestly don't feel like this is going to be a, a tough matchup for Antonio Carl Jr. at all. We'll yeah. see. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Yeah, I mean, it's a good matchup. That's the thing. I think they're both at the same level right now, both evenly matched. So, you know, on paper, it's a good matchup. It's a good um, prelim for sure. And then uh, the one above it, I uh, don't want to say those names. I mean, there's Arman and uh, Nazrat. I don't know much about either of them, but they're headlining the prelims, likely due to the region. Um, both of them, pretty good records. Uh, Arman's 15 to two and uh Nasrat's uh, twelve to three, and it looks like generally eighty nine percent of uh, Nasrat's wins are by KO. So I think that's what he's going to lean on, trying to knock Armand out. But I don't know enough value of them to really say. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. I can't speak on it. I don't know. I just love seeing, uh, you know, uh, competition in lightweight because th- that's always been my favorite division. So it's yeah. always cool to see see some people that I'm unfamiliar with uh, in competition. Yeah, sometimes with. those ones surprise you. I mean, we've seen it happen last year. Just people you've never even heard of or people that, you know, just have taken advantage of Fight Island and really have stood out. So, hey, hopefully one of these guys can make a statement. Should be interesting. But hey, after that, we're on the main card and they kind of got the golden girl, like Dana White's favorite female fighter right now, Amanda Rivas versus Marina Rodriguez. Um, I mean, I think everyone's kind of leaning Rivas because, I mean, she's just delightful, I guess would be the best word. I mean, just has that, that, you know, she has that attitude, that spunk and that just kind of like where I could see them trying to push her as a star. But, uh, you know, not an easy fight either for. I I think uh, I think Rebus be a submission. Yeah, because the um, Rodriguez uh, twelve and one. You know, it's not like they gave her a can. That's a that's a pretty good record. So, uh, I'm, who did Rodriguez? Has she fought in the UFC before? Yeah, she is. <laughs> she started on the the contender series. Uh, her her last fight she lost oh, okay. against. Uh, she lost against uh, a split decision against Carlos Sparza before that. Oh, okay. um, oh yeah, that's where I remember on the Till Whitaker card. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was surprised uh, Carlo, you know, really. And then she did a draw with Cynthia Cavillo. Mm-hmm. And then she beat Tisha Torres, who's on steroids, and then she also beat Jessica Aguilar. Yeah, so I mean, got a good matchup, I'd say. Um, you, I could see uh, definitely Rebus would have to be submit submission, you know win but uh it doesn't seem like i mean if carlo is able to control her and take her down it doesn't bode well for rodriguez but maybe she learned from those you know mistakes or really focused on that part of her game and maybe she could try to keep herself standing yeah i I got uh, rodriguez on on this one well you jeff Uh, i got oh you said rebus on submission uh by submission I think that I kind of feel like this might be a decision and I'm going to probably lean Rebus. I think it's going to be a grappling exchange and I'm going to lean Amanda for this decision. That's fair. Definitely. Um, it's to be a, a good fight for the women's straw weight. That's definitely a, a fun yeah. division. They definitely need some more people coming up. You know, I think that's like female fighters, especially right now, like is like prime time because you got, just some dominant champions right now. So you really need to set yourself apart and really come forward. So I hope, you know, someone does. Yeah. They're not touching Wei Li Zhang. They just need to take a, <laughs> They just need to take a seat. Those girls, the talented. Yeah. But Wei Li Zhang, she's on a whole nother level. Yeah. I, they need, she needs a fighter ready too, which hopefully, you know, against Rose, hopefully it happens, man. As much as I don't want to say it, uh, I think she pieces up Rose, Rose, talented girl, great fighter, but Wei Li Zhang's just, She's on another level. Yeah. Well, we'll see if that happens. I mean, I know that's what they're targeting. and But, I mean, they want to do it in Asia, too. Like, you know. No, what they which, need to do is there's another straw weight, and it needs to be China versus China, Wei Li Zhang versus that Yan Xiaonan. That's yeah. the girl. That girl, she's so crazy. She's 13 and 1, just beat uh, Claudia Gadelia. Yeah, she had a really good performance. Yeah. Put put some respect on my Asian fighters, Jeff. 
Hey, it looks like the female fighters have been in the male fighters in UFC right now. Jeff staying quiet. When you letting you guys talk and get it out. Right. <laughs> but that but I think that'd be an interesting match. But I think Wei Li Zhang uh beats Rose. If her and uh Ioana were to rematch, she beat her. Carla Sparza yeah. take a seat. You ain't doing shit to Wei Li Zhang. And it has to like the only okay. uh, real competition I see is that Yan Jiao Nan. That, that girl's you know, just really talented. I agree. Yeah. I, I think it's pretty I mean it's not I don't think it's cut and dry against Rose because Rose has a tendency to like rise up and like be really surprising at times, but yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think Whaley Zhang is kind of incredible, man. Yeah. So the next fight, um, Matt versus Ottman, it honestly kind of seems like they're going to be pushing Ottman because that guy has 13 and no record and it's a hundred percent KO. They're both undefeated, right? No, no um, Matt's uh, eight and one. Yeah, okay. but he's has heavy uh, submission wins. So, I mean, I think it's kind of like the submission versus the KO artist, and I think they're kind of leaning for um, Ottman the KO. Um, but haven't seen enough of either of them to really determine. It kind of seems like they put him on the main card because they want one of them to shine or stand out, so they have another prospect to push. And um, I don't know. I don't know how that one goes. You need to put some respect on my boy fighting out of Sarah Longo. His last fight against Luis Pena was uh, pretty impressive. I, I'm, I'm a huge Luis Pena fan, so I, I was really sad to see him lose. But Matt Frivola, he, he has some serious skills. Yeah, I mean, that's why I, it kind of seems like they're trying to push the next prospect from this fight. And that's why they usually have like that one fight on every pay-per-view that they're not too familiar with the people on there, and it's because they want them to really stand out. I'm familiar with Matt Frivola. Don't just don't don't disrespect what about him. Ottman, you know Ottman boy. Doesn't matter about Ottman. Don't don't. The fool's thirteen zero. Fucking yeah, hundred percent finish rate. KO baby. He's fighting taxi drivers out there in Russia, just like that. Uh, who's the guy that uh, Cody? He's Garvin from Morocco, God. sir. Thank you. Okay, he's fighting taxi drivers out in Morocco, just like um, who's the guy that Cody Garbett knocked out? That was fighting taxi drivers in Brazil. Oh, um, Jesus. Uh, can't even think of the guy. What was his name? Hold on. Now I have to look this up because I'm not like, okay, you're undefeated. Yeah, that's cool. Whatever. But like, unless you're fighting real competition, I'm not uh, going to be stoked on your 13 and 0 record. Uh, Pedro, wait, no, it wasn't Pedro Munoz. Pedro Munoz knocked him out. Pedro, yeah, Pedro won. <laughs> uh, uh, Thomas Almeida. That's who it yeah, was. Yeah. Because, yeah, uh, uh, that was a funny build up to that yeah, fight. I remember that. Al- Almeida went into that fight twenty one and zero, and people were going on about his record twenty one and zero. Yeah. And Cody, Cody Garbrandt was like, "Dude, this guy's fighting taxi drivers in Brazil." And I was like, "I totally, <laughs> totally agree." Like, just because um you, you have like a crazy record like that doesn't mean you're you're good. Just, yeah, you could easily pad your record. So, and just, I, I'm not sold on. Ottman. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't know enough about Ottman either. It's just, I, I think that's what they're trying to set up. I think it's like either or, like they're like, hopefully someone has an impressive performance. Yeah. And yeah, he, he's fought in the UFC before, but not against, not against people like Luis Pena. Yeah. So, so put some respect on Sarah Longo, still an awesome gym, just because Chris Weidman left. It doesn't mean they're done. Yeah. Dang. And then from there, it's uh, Jessica I versus Calderwood. That's a good matchup. Calderwood? 
totally fumbled her her title shot which respect she wanted to stay active stay busy but she got pieced up and got submitted which was hey maya that girl she fought was super tough because even valentina had like trouble putting her out man so i mean you can't can't knock her for losing that girl i mean like well that, okay you gotta remember you gotta remember valentina was coming off of surgery so i don't think um we can put that much stock into that well i know but it's still you know decent performance and you could see why she won against joanne you know it wasn't like a fluke she definitely had her number in on that fight but uh i don't know i i kind of feel calder would would win this like i like jessica i think she's great but um i'm gonna say gold uh calderwood uh decision i'm going jessica evil eye oh how so because I, I I like her skills. I feel like she's a little more well-rounded than Calderwood. I, I think uh, Calderwood, she's a talented fighter, trains out of Las Vegas. But I just think she's, she's not as durable, if that makes sense. What about you, Jeff? Or are you? Evil Eye. Evil Eye? I, I, yeah, but I, I think she wins by decision. Okay. Dang. So at that, now we're at the... The big boys, the co-main, the debut of Michael Chandler versus Dan Hooker. That's gonna. That's a very good, good fight. Very man. Kind of curious. So, what do you what do you guys think? What do you think's gonna how it's gonna play out? We'll start with Jeff since me and Jamie have been talking up. I think that fight is gonna be ugly, and I think. It's going to be a very good scenario for Chandler to prove himself. And I think he's going to win. I think he's going to win a decision. And I think it's going to be because he is able to take down Hooker. I think that his wrestling is strong enough. I think he's aggressive enough. And I think he's going to do the same thing to Hooker that he did to a lot of people in Bellator. And it's going to be good for Chandler. What are you about you, Jamie? Yo, we're going with my man, Dan Hangman Hooker. I think he's going to win that fight. I, I think he's either going to win by knockout or TKO against Chandler. Chandler's, yeah, a good fighter, uh, but I, I think his time, I, I think he's getting to the UFC a little late in his career. I, I feel like this should have happened years ago, uh, but for whatever reason, he wanted to stay in Veltor, be the face. But when I, when I look at these two guys, um, you know, uh, Dan Hooker's the bigger guy, and his I don't feel like his takedown defense is um, that bad. I feel like he, with him having the longer reach and, and being the bigger guy, he could fight on the outside, keep that distance, and you know, sprawl. Uh, you know, maybe do a sprawl and brawl technique, or maybe he might even he'll watch that footage against uh, Brett Primus and work on those calf kicks since. Yeah, it was a pretty good technique. So I honestly see Dan Hooker uh, kind of raining on the parade of Michael Chandler and beating him by either, like I said, TKO or knockout. Ooh. Want to bet? Oh, hey, you want to bet? You're all talking about bets, boy. Dang. I don't know. Are you going to back down now? Wait, Jeff, your audio was cutting out? How much? Oh, you want you want to, want to put 20 bucks on it? Yeah, I'm not. I'll do 20 on, on hooker. I'm down. Okay. So just for specifics, we're not going to bet on like the method or anything, but I got 20 bucks that Chandler beats them. Okay. For sure. Cool. Deal. 
our virtual <laughs> handshake i'm down let's do it i'm the third party witness so well hey it looks like someone's gonna get to watch the pay-per-view for free then <laughs> yeah well <laughs> and for the record i like them both and yeah. i like them both for very similar reasons because they they have both been in some grueling crazy ass wars like think of chandler versus alvarez those have been crazy um hooker versus i guess just about everybody in his last few fights have been super close and have been rugged ass fights but i think the the grappling ability of chandler is going to make the difference you know it really surprised me like i watched the press conference hooker had some zingers in there i thought it was pretty funny like he, he actually kind of yeah. stood out more to me than like anyone else in the press conference. It made me laugh. Like when he was uh, making fun of Charles Oliveira, like saying he has broomsticks thicker than him. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I like humble Connor, by the way, but we'll, we can touch it. We can touch on that in the, in the next fight. Yeah. But you could tell even like some of the stuff that Dan Hooker was saying, everyone was fucking laughing. They're like, Oh shit. Well, you got so yeah, I, honestly, Dan Hooker looks confident like very confident like he feels like he has this guy's number and uh, i kind of feel like he's gonna win to be honest i feel like chandler i think chandler definitely has a place in the ufc he's definitely going to be able to win but even chandler is saying this is his toughest matchup because he got a very lengthy guy i think uh, dan's going to utilize um knees like as he like tries to come in he's going to like knee him in the stomach in the gut or even the head and I think he's just going to maintain that distance. And um, it's a three-round fight, so I honestly think it's probably going to be a decision for Hooker. I would be surprised if Chandler gets finished because it takes quite a bit. Yeah, hey, we'll see. I think that fight is just ridiculous in all the best ways possible. And I think for sure it's going to be super ugly. Yeah, honestly, it benefits both of them. That's three rounds, too, because this definitely could have been a main event. Like, this could have been in place for Magni and Chiesa, you know? Like, yeah. it could have been like that. Like, this is a good matchup, a very high-profile one, too. But lucky for them, they're both going to make that pay-per-view money a little bit and, you know, really benefit from whoever comes out on top. And I know Hooker has that drive because, you know, even though Khabib said he might come out of retirement, whatever is non-agreement, you know, we didn't, we didn't even talk about that. But, uh, it, you know, if he can prove that he can stop takedowns from, like, Chandler and actually keep it standing or even scramble up before Chandler can hold him down, you know, or, or even defeat him in a, in a very definitive way, who knows? I doubt it, but I doubt Khabib will come out to fight him. But Yeah. Well, I have expectations that the Chandler-Hooker fight is going to be the best, most exciting fight on the card. I can see I, that, yeah. I think it's going to be. There's a lot of good matchups on this card. Ugly, but I think that fight is going to be a freaking slobber knocker. All right. It's so. going to be Hooker, Hooker by TKO knockout. I, w I wouldn't be mad at it. I just don't think it goes down that way. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, be mad because it'd be out 20 bucks. It's gonna Either be or. <laughs> I'm stoked. But, but hold uh, on. wait, before we, we go into the main event, I want to talk about this Khabib announcement bullshit. Yeah. They, 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 were, they were hyping it up. Oh, Dana White's going to meet with Khabib, blah, blah, blah. And as soon as they didn't start the broadcast or, uh, yeah, the, the, the broadcast with that announcement, I was like, okay, this is not going to be what 
people are expecting. This is not going to be a, a definitive um, yes or no for him yeah. coming back. So the fact that they uh, waited a couple fights to bring on Dana White to talk about it, I was like, okay, this is going to be bullshit. And then Dana White comes on and talks about um, how Khabib's like, yeah, like if somebody puts on a good performance, uh, maybe I'll, I'll I'll come back. And it's just like, okay, why don't you just stop like you're gonna make a stupid announcement like that you should have just said anything yeah. i i feel like that's just uh so annoying because he's like yeah like i, I don't want to hold up the, the division I know, like, wait, you, that's exactly what you're doing i don't want to hold it up but i'm not going to give a definitive answer either yeah so I, it just makes no sense i feel like obviously it's an outsider looking in kind of scenario but the vibe that i'm getting is that dana is just pushing the issue and khabib just doesn't care that much like yeah. I think he wants to stay retired. I think you just leave it alone. I think you strip him of the title. He said he's retiring, right? Like he, he said it, you strip the title from him. And if he wants to come back because the emphasis is being placed on him getting 30 and O right. The title shouldn't even matter for that. He can come back and get his 30 and O if he wants and strip him of the title and keep it moving. I wouldn't be surprised if, um, Khabib is kind of playing this, like, in between, like, I don't, you know, I don't think, I, I don't know if I'm going to come back or not, just so they wouldn't make this card a title fight, you know, the main one, the Poirier versus McGregor, because I feel like that would just be like the thing to make McGregor fight again, you know, for, because if McGregor wins or, you know, vice versa, whoever's wins between the main event is probably going to fight for the belt next, you yeah. know, if Khabib, you know, decides it'll probably be the main and co main will probably fight for it or Charles Oliveira versus the main event winner or whoever's the most impressive out of the four, you know? I I think it would be pretty whack if Khabib was that petty, especially because he won and came out completely ahead in every single facet. So I think he already said specifically that he's retired. I think it's Dana trying to pressure him and Dana saying stuff to fuel headlines to maybe pressure Khabib into coming out of retirement because people obviously want it. Yeah. But I say you leave it alone, and if Khabib wants to come back, let him, you know? Yeah, because he just, right after they had that meeting, he went on a radio show and said, eh, I don't really want to go against what my mom was saying. I'm still probably going to stay retired. I have no motivation to fight. None of my plans involve the UFC. So I, I think that's as definitive as it gets, but I don't know. Yeah, it, it is what it is. And I think lightweight right now, be, I mean, for better or for worse, because Khabib is so dominant, I think lightweight is super exciting at the moment. I don't think white, lightweight has never been exciting. I think it's probably been the most consistent division over the years since I've been watching. It's it's always been exciting, but I don't think there's anybody who has any... I mean, you could argue maybe Oliveira or maybe McGregor in a rematch, but I don't think there's anybody in lightweight right now who could who beats Khabib. Oh, so are you exciting. kidding me? I'm not kidding. I think. Who do you think beats Khabib right now? There's a guy out there. Oh, His name man. is. Wait, 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 Nate, chill out. Let me finish. I can't wait to hear who you're gonna say. There's a guy out there who's been calling out Khabib for years, and Khabib's just running scared. It's a guy named Seaver. No, not Seaver. Who that? Seaver's not even <laughs> finding anywhere. Art of Lobov. No, no. There's a guy out there named Kevin Lee. Oh, you 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 think, dude. Kevin, no. Lee, Kevin Lee beats Khabib. Chill. Kevin what? Lee beats himself. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Kevin Lee's that been guy's calling like for his that own fight. worst enemy. He's been calling for that fight, but Khabib's too scared because he knows uh, the striking accuracy that Kevin Lee has, his grappling accuracy. He's too good. 
Well, no, he's going to come back from his double knee surgery. Ah, damn. I can't believe both his knees got blown out. <laughs> I, I shouldn't have removed Ferguson from that comment. I think Ferguson has the tools to beat him too. Ferguson bums me out. I don't know how he. He's his own worst enemy. Honestly, I kind of feel like he's kind of more dictating his own training now than actually taking advice from his like coaches and things like that. And I feel like he's like kind of buying into his own, you know, aura. And I I think he's kind of selling himself short by not taking it. Sorry to interrupt. No, you're good. I made that comment completely forgetting about the Oliveira fight and that Oliveira just bucked him into oblivion, you know? So I, I take that back. I don't think I don't think Ferguson would be Khabib. I think at this point that Khabib would just dominate him on the ground. So th- this is how I think things should play out. Uh, not factoring in Khabib because um, he is just kind of holding up the, the, the division. So, so I hate that. But there's like a weird like mini tournament going on. Like let's see the winner of Poirier McGregor fight the winner of Hooker Chandler, right? So have, have those winners fight for the belt and whoever wins out of that can defend against the winner of Gaethje versus Oliveira. If that matchup happens, I love it. I think that makes all the sense in the world. Cause yeah, cause uh, who will you, you can't give Oliveira anybody else um, other than Gaethje. Cause um, everybody else is tied up and you don't want him to fight anybody who's lower ranked than him. Cause after that performance he put on against Ferguson, it's, it's just too impressive and wouldn't make any sense for him to fight anybody else other than Gaethje or the champ. Yeah, no, I agree with that 100%. Yeah. But so, what were you going to say, Jamie? No, I was, I was going to ask, I was curious about your guys' thoughts on um, how would Gaethje uh, match up against Oliveira? Well, I think, I think Khabib totally exposed uh, Gaethje's ground game in terms of being able to defend submissions. So I think if Oliveira gets to the ground, um, he submits him based yeah. off the scene. But, if Gaethje is able to use his wrestling to keep it on the feet, I can't imagine that Oliveira can hang with him. Uh-huh. I think Charles wins that easily, to be honest. I think he would just take it. Honestly, he looks ever since he came up from featherweight, he was just cutting way too much weight for that. Kind of the same way as Poirier was. And he's just found new life at lightweight. I think this is his true division. And I think he's, improving each fight like even more and more that I, mean, I kind of feel like he would just submit him yeah i'm mad at that i i'm i'm a huge fan of uh, both fighters but i just see right now all of our skill sets just uh it's too crazy right now he, he has way more uh options because uh, obviously uh, justin uh, he has decent wrestling, but he doesn't like to use it. He likes to uh, use his stand up more. Um, versus Oliveira, he, he'll use everything. So I picture him in that matchup uh, taking out Justin Gaethje. Yeah. It's a fight I'd love to see. And I think it makes a lot of sense. I think the way you mapped it out in terms of the top six people in lightweight in general makes a ton of sense. I think you give Tony Ferguson a little bit of a break and have him. Fight someone lower lower down in the ranks. Ah, but who do they give him? Ferguson? I don't know. Let me look. Could give him wherever loses between like Hooker and uh, Chandler. No, I think he has to fight somebody like, you know, top 10 through 15 at, at this point. Really? That bad? 
Yeah. And I think that, I mean, I could see him ending up in a Rafael DeSanjo scenario where they just feed him to up and comers and he just ends up being kind of a gatekeeper. But Shit, why isn't he fighting uh, DeSanjo's? I think, yeah, I think well, that'd be already. good, man. Didn't they fight already and Ferguson beat him? Let me verify that. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. That doesn't sound familiar off the, off the top of my head. No, I, I don't I, think so. Hold on, I'm pretty you sure. You give him Paul Felder, Ferguson versus Felder. That's not a bad matchup. Yeah, Both that, would probably try to just strike, like strike. I think it'd give him some confidence. Let me see. I'm pretty sure Ferguson fought Dos Anjos. Yeah, he he beat uh, RDA anonymous decision in 2016. Oh, okay. That was a long time ago. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe that. Maybe you have him rematch because RDA. Yeah, he's looking good too. Better. That actually can make a lot of sense. Yeah, that could, that could be a good fight. RDA has returned to the lightweight division. I wouldn't be mad at it. Yeah, I like that a lot actually. And you give RDA the chance to get that one back too. <clears throat> yeah, and. And once again, RDA just has such a tough road. He never gets any easy matchups. No, man, at all. Like, at, especially at welterweight, like he fought every, just about every single badass person, right? Like the top, I think he got beat by the entire like top three. No, he lost to um, Covington and, and Usman, but he, he beat, uh, he beat Magni and he beat Lawler. Mm-hmm. So it's basically just like the upper echelon guys. Yeah. Uh, and and he beat uh, Tarek Safadine. Yeah. Oh, you know what? He lost to Chiesa and he lost to Leon Edwards. And that's kind of what's prompting him to move down to lightweight. Oh, dude. RDA has fought nothing but savages. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That guy just doesn't have He hasn't had an easy road. He's He's fought all top competition throughout his whole UFC career. It's insane. Dude, I don't see other than like 2012 and 2013. Even then, I don't see any, anyone that could be like an easy fight. Dude, he even fought Khabib back in the day. Yeah. I forget about that. RDA is a beast, man. He's a actually really nice guy. I met him at the, I went to GameStop Expo, like a gaming convention and uh, he was sponsored by Alienware at that point, and they had him at the booth and talked to him. No one else wanted to talk to him because everyone's all about games, but I was like, oh, it's RDA. And that was when it, 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 from that point, he went on to become champion, too. So, how do you think it would have shaked out versus him and McGregor if you wouldn't have gotten hurt? Mm, probably about the same. I think McGregor was just in his prime at that point. He's just unstoppable and finishes him with strikes. Yeah, I don't think it would have been as bad as Alvarez, but I think he would have won that. Yeah, same here. I think it would have been a fun fight, but I think McGregor would have came out on top. Yeah, because at that point, that McGregor was like on a different level. I think even compared to where he's at now, you know, like he was fighting on all cylinders. Like he was just exuding that confidence and that trash talk would have just you know, the, the whole mental warfare definitely would have played a factor in that fight for sure. Well, that's where the whole red panty night started. It was with. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
I'll, I'll be honest. I definitely miss that era of Conor McGregor. I think that era was super awesome for MMA. I, I like, I like the era we're in right now, I guess, of Conor McGregor. Um, I kind of touched on it before, like humble Conor's kind of interesting and I think he's still super dangerous. What do you guys make of it? I I'm okay with the you know the less trash talk because we've seen it all at this point when it comes to Connor we've seen it you know from uh, simple trash talk to it getting uh, extreme with like the whole bus incident and the, yeah. the brawl inside the cage after the fight so it's just like I'm good on all that I I don't need all that extra stuff to get excited for these fights so seeing them be a little more respectful is fine but obviously like i like it doesn't um, make me like them anymore or any less i just uh you know i'm i'm okay with not seeing the the unnecessary trash talk i feel yeah. i think it's a reflection of i mean obviously connor's been like super confident but i don't think he feels the need at this point with the people he's facing to kind of use mental warfare against them i guess you could call it and I mean, he took this approach versus Cowboy and absolutely dismantled him. You know, he looked savage. Now I know, I know, Cowboy is kind of on his way out, but up until that fight, there were a lot of questions about McGregor too. And I think McGregor is going to look as good as ever. Well, In fact, I think I'm I'm anticipating that he looks better than he's looked before. Yeah, his, his coach uh, John Cavanaugh was saying that uh, he's going to, uh, you know outshine his last performance against uh dustin poirier so wow. I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see how it actually shapes out because uh conor mcgregor it's always like a, a a big deal whenever he fights uh he's, he's definitely a, a special fighter uh really talented but I'm, I'm, I'm just real curious to see how he matches up against uh, dustin poirier this time around i i think and i haven't heard many people address it i think a key factor in this fight is going to be that in his career, Conor McGregor hasn't taken taken much punishment. I mean, against against Diaz, yeah, like they in both fights, it was kind of like a lot of striking. He was getting hit a lot. Other than that, like he got submitted by Khabib, and yeah, that fight was kind of grueling. But aside from those, it's been kind of a cakewalk, and he hasn't taken that much punishment. And Poirier has taken a shitload of punishment. And obviously he's super tough, right? Yeah. Because he comes out the victor in all those fights. But I think there's a chance that that could play a role in this fight, especially with how fast of a starter Connor is and with how good his striking is. I think you're going to see it really quick. Like if Connor can dictate and push Dustin back and kind of set up those left hands. Because I think if he can really get a clean shot on Dustin, it's going to rock him. And that's what's really going to... If I don't know if he's going to be able to starch him like how he's hoping, but I think if he's able to rock him and really kind of take its footing away from early on in the match, that that's going to carry on through the rest of the, the fight. And I don't know. I, I kind of... This one's so good. It's a good matchup because they both have improved so much. Poirier is really turned his whole career. I mean, you see it. They, you know, talk about the press conference. Connor definitely respects Poirier and actually does see the growth in him quite a bit, but it, it's tough, man. I, it, you know, what, what do you, so are you leaning uh, Connor to win Jeff? Yeah, I'm, I'm leaning McGregor. And the reason for that is 
I think if he doesn't finish him quickly, like he says he's going to, like, I don't foresee that happening, but I definitely foresee a scenario where Connor can maintain really good distance management and just pick him apart from the outside if he chooses to. But Poirier has a tendency of making things really ugly up against the cage. Like he's awesome at that. But I think Connor has good footwork. I think a lot of it is dependent on him not gassing out yeah. if he doesn't put him away quickly. So I think McGregor wins, but I don't think it's going to be just a blowout like it was in the first fight. And I think there's, and I think Poirier absolutely has valid paths to victory, but I'm kind of leaning towards Connor. What about you, Jamie? This is redemption for the diamond, Dustin Poirier. I feel like he's coming back to fight Island and he's going to, you know, cure himself of those horrors from his last time there against Khabib. And if I'm being honest, I feel like Dustin Poirier, yeah, he's taken uh, these crazy fights and had these wars, but we haven't seen him or we haven't seen his chin be testy and him getting knocked out super crazy. So I feel like he hasn't gotten to that point yet. And, yeah. and, and, and if I'm being honest, I, I feel like Dustin Poirier, uh, his skill set all around, I think he's uh, has way more tools than Conor McGregor. Like, yeah, Conor is, uh, you know, his striking is amazing. Uh, you know, he, he's like his precision is, is nice. He has a lot of speed, but we saw it in, in, in the Khabib fight. Um, him getting taken down and yeah, Khabib had to, uh, you know, use his chain wrestling to, to get Conor McGregor down. Like it wasn't easy. Um, but I, I just feel like Dustin Poirier has more options when it comes to how the fight um, can play out versus Conor McGregor. I feel like he's just going to want to stand and bang with Dustin Poirier. And if Dustin chooses to go that route with him, I, I feel like he'll be fine. And I honestly think Dustin Poirier is going to beat Conor McGregor. I think in order for Dustin to win, he needs to pressure Connor against the cage. He needs to, you know, really make it dirty up against the cage, really tire him out. Cause like, that's, or and they even like do something that you don't see too many people do is uh, try to do leg kicks on Connor. You definitely need to try to take that power away from him, you know, the striking ability and really slow Connor down because it, Connor's key skill is movement and really flowing and so if you're able to let him get distance and really start picking you apart that's when you're gonna because you could see it in poirier when he fought the first time poirier kept backing up kept backing up kept getting pushed back from you know they even like i saw um dominic cruz kind of broke down how connor started with that will kick to kind of like make him turn a certain way so he can set up the like the actual kick he wanted to do was the to the body but he's just that's the kind of things that he has to anticipate Connor's going to do. You know, what major tools, like he, he always wants to focus in on that left hand. So if he needs to avoid trying to move into the left hand, which luckily the both uh, Southpaw. So he has that advantage in terms of like maybe some other fighters where he does, he's not going to have to move into that left hand. And that's really where Poirier has to shine. But honestly, I kind of feel like, McGregor's gonna win this. I I do. I think he's gonna TKO him in the third round. Interesting. I I will say that Poirier absolutely needs to win more than Connor does. Like at this point, Con the fact that Connor's even competing and fighting feels just like a gift to the fans. And obviously he wants to do it because he needs to fight, 
but he's already been champ champ. He is already has hundreds of millions of dollars. You know what I mean? He's completely set. If Poirier can get a win over him right here, aside from obviously getting a title shot, this would completely put him over into the mainstream and it would just be life-changing for him, which would be nice to see because Poirier is awesome. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's one of the circumstances where you can see both winning, especially now with the different, especially the confidence and the mental fortitude Dustin has, especially yeah. going, he, you know, he doesn't have the same pressure. He doesn't have the same type of doubts, you know, cause he felt like he lost even walking before. And here you can tell that he knows that he can take him into deep waters and likely win there. But I think McGregor's best weight is, you know, lightweight. I think this is, and I think he is very serious about trying to get that Khabib rematch. And I think he, if not that, he does really want to do a run at lightweight. And I think that confidence in Connor is going to be what really wins him the actual match. Yeah. I, I also like that Connor is willing to run it back with Poirier. And he's even acknowledged in recent interviews that he would run it back with Holloway. Yeah. He very easily could just sit on those victories that he got earlier on and never give them another chance. Yeah, and this is the first time he's ever rematched someone he's won against, too. You know? Yeah, yeah no, it's so honestly, it's, it's, it's different. Yeah. Because yeah, go ahead, Jamie. I wasn't gonna say anything. No, okay. Well, keep going, Jeff. Yeah, I think it's cool that he's coming back in this phase of his career and is giving people that he's beaten previously another chance, you know, especially considering people like Poirier and Holloway have obviously gotten so much better and there's legit risk in fighting him. He very easily could take the safe route and just wait to fight someone that he hasn't fought before, you know, but if anything, I, I, he's not doing anybody any favors because he wants to fight, but I just think it's cool that he's given Poirier another chance to run it back. Yeah, I can agree with that. Well, I think he has to. There's really nobody else that makes sense for him at the top. He could have done Gaethje. Well, they they, they tried, but I, I think uh, Connor broke his hand, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah. Gaethje and McGregor is a sick-ass matchup. I'd love to see that. Uh, yeah. I, I think uh, Connor's too technical for Gaethje. I think he... Because uh, Gaethje would obviously, um, he's not going to wrestle Connor. He's going to want to knock him out. But I feel like Connor's just going to be too slick, and I, I feel like that's easy for Connor uh, the, with that Gaethje matchup. But yeah, I th I think it's pretty interesting too that Connor has said repeatedly that he thinks he's going to knock him out in sixty seconds, but wants it to be a longer, drawn out, like straight up war, so he can have more octagon time. I don't know if that's like. A scenario that would do him any favors i think if the fight drags on and it turns into that kind of a fight that's just poirier territory and poirier would end up winning but maybe i'm wrong yeah i i, I think poirier gets it done in two yeah well there it is that's uh that's the picks for One ufc 257 yeah do you see 257 first pay-per-view of the year uh first pay-per-view of the year should be awesome um I'm really, really excited, and I'm happy that UFC has been able to keep the ball rolling. And I'm, I, I just can't wait. Seriously, like two more sleeps until the fight, and it's going to be amazing. 
Yeah, man. I get honestly, I know it sounds stupid, but like I get goosebumps sometimes watching some fights. Like you, you feel the intensity, you feel invested, you know, and it's I like that's the one thing about these fights that I really enjoy, you know, like it gets your heart beating because you're just like, you know, especially when I know when they're first going to start like that bell rings, they first start stepping together. My heart was going to start racing. I'm going to be like, holy shit, what's going to happen? You know? Yeah. And I've never seen a boring Conor McGregor MMA fight. I don't know about you guys. I think, I think it's always exciting, even if he loses, you know, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. There's been plenty of times where I just had to stand up. I couldn't sit down to watch certain fights, but Anytime Conor McGregor fights, since he's been in the UFC, it's always been a big deal and something special because uh, he's just a special fighter. And the, the way that he's uh, changed the entire sport, it's it's undeniable. So for for him to come back and still want to do this, it, it's 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 amazing, and it's you know something that we should uh, definitely pay attention to and not take yeah. it for granted. Because you look at everybody else that came before him, like all the legends. Think about uh, GSP. Uh, Brock Lesnar, people like that. There's, you know, they're not around anymore. So we got to just appreciate him while he's here and still giving us, uh, you know, great fights. Yeah, I, I feel. I mean, it's almost like a gift to the fans that he's doing that because he doesn't need to. He could just drop off the face of the earth and sell whiskey, and it would be totally justified. True, that that proper twelve. Yeah, yeah. You know, it makes me wonder if he loses this, like let's say McGregor loses, would he still get that Pacquiao fight? I don't care about that fight. I don't want to see him fight Pacquiao at all. I know, but that's like a thing that they're really pushing as well. So that's why I'm kind of curious, like if he loses, does that knock him down, you know, in the realm of like combat sports? I think Pacquiao would take years off his life. Yeah, that, that's a totally different can of worms. Yeah, yeah, because it's not like Floyd. Pacquiao's going to be in your face, actually punching you. And I don't want to see it happen because we've seen it before. And you, you got to look at Pacquiao. He he's way more experienced, and it, it's going to play out the the same way the Mayweather fight did. And then ultimately, this thing's just going to hold up his MMA career, which is way more. Uh, I feel more more viable for him, and that's where we want to see him. We don't want to see him take time off to go do boxing and then come back and then take a loss and then be like, all right, cool, like I'm taking MMA serious again. It's like, no, like we don't like he doesn't have that kind of time, and the the division just is going to keep moving. And I, I feel like it, it'd be better for him just to stay in MMA. Winner, yeah. uh, you know, winner lose against Dustin. I feel like he should just stick with MMA and just just give up this whole boxing thing because yeah, like he's going to make a lot of money if he does go and fight Pacquiao, but it, it just makes a sense. Like, like what benefit will it have for him besides raising his like popularity or whatever? He's not going to be a full-time boxer and like outside of Mayweather Pacquiao, he's not going to go and try to enter professional boxing and be able to hang with some of these guys. It's, it's just not going to work out. I, w- I would love to see him stick with MMA obviously. And I, I don't mind him at 170. I don't think he, realistically competes for a title at that weight class. I think the upper echelon of 170 would just wrestle fuck him and it would go like that. But I would love to see Conor McGregor versus Jorge Masvidal at 170. I think that would be the sickest fight. I think that would be so good. I don't know. But it doesn't make that much sense. I just think Masvidal just just kind of lost his luster. Yeah, I mean... Dude, he's a bigger MAGA supporter than Covington. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah, I mean, 
And I honestly, can, he's just I, been inactive too. What's that? He's been inactive too. You know, like he he took that short notice with Usman, and he was kind of like holding out because he wanted a better contract or he wanted more money, even though he just signed one. And he just kind of is kind of sitting out, so he's losing he's losing relevancy, which is too bad because I think he's a really good fighter. But I don't know if his mindset's the same as when he was rising up to his redemption arc i kind of feel like he's back down on going downward you know i'm talking skill set to skill set i think that's a great fight um obviously i mean it's not a freak show fight but it would be very much along the lines of like him versus diaz for the game like it would be something like that obviously i don't think there'd be title implications with it i just think that fight would be very fun and i think a fight like that would be huge I'm not into it. I want to see Conor McGregor stick to lightweight. He's he's just too small for welterweight, which sucks because you put up Michael Chiesa versus Conor McGregor. McGregor ain't doing shit. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm talking Jorge Masvidal, Conor McGregor. Jorge Masvidal was a lightweight before, and I think it can make sense with their size. Anyway, yeah. I mean, and they would both try to strike. You know, I don't see Masvidal really trying to bring him down. I think he's going to try to pick him apart like how he did Diaz. Yep. By the way, uh, Jamie, want to do another $20 on McGregor Poirier? I got McGregor. All right. Let's do it. Dang. Double up. Let's double up, baby. Where's that virtual handshake? Now I'm a sports better, right? Let's go. Let's go. You cannot do that. It's going to be fun to reflect on. I'm going to be eating that Desaporier next- hot sauce on my pizza, on my burrito while I'm spending Jeff's money. That was a funny moment during the press conference where he's like, they're like, you in the back uh, distribute his uh, hot sauce. He's like, got to try that shit first. I got to put my name on that. <laughs> so like, yeah. I like how, I like how Poirier was like reluctant as to how nice Connor was being. Like he, he even said, he goes, I don't want to make it seem like we're giving each other high fives and massages up here. Yeah. He did something nice, you know? Yeah. Cause you got to think McGregor mind fucked up the cowboy with this treatment. And then yeah. he went in there and hit him with them shoulders and that head kick. So it's not going to happen to Poirier. Poirier is too smart. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Poirier full on still hates him, but can control his emotions. Yeah, I'm sure there's, Dude, there's you never want to lose like that, and you never. I mean, he did say some pretty messed up shit to him, building up to that fight too. And you're always going to remember that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so, I mean, he wants to pay it back. You know. So we'll see. Hopefully, he does. Hopefully, he does. You know. Somebody calling you pee head and then knocking you out, dude. You'll (laughs) never forget that. He called him. Yeah. So he's gonna if if Poirier wins, he's gonna I a hundred percent he's gonna go over him and yell at him. I fucking swear. I bet he's gonna fucking do that shit. He's going to be like, what the fuck? Hey, fucking, fucking peahead, motherfucker. All right. Well, damn, this is this has been awesome. Uh, despite the the power outage earlier, I, I'm glad we were able to. to this would have been a three hour podcast. Yeah. If it wasn't for that. If it wasn't for the fucking power outage, but it's all good. We we, we came back. They can't stop us. The the MMA gods are on our sides tonight. So this is this is awesome. And I'm stoked that we we're able to do this again. Um, but before we go. Is there anything you guys want to say? Um, tell us what you guys think. You know, if you listen to this before you watch the fights or even how you reacted to the fights, you know, send us clips of you guys reacting 
to whatever outcome happens. Hey, Jeff. Shout out to some of my friends who listen to this. I look forward to hearing what you guys think about the fights. All right. Hell yeah. Well, thank you guys again for tuning in. We'll be back the week of February 13th for the Kamaru Usman Gilbert Burns card. So uh, try not to miss this too much. But thank you guys all for your time. And thank you guys for tuning in. And we'll be back soon. Bye.